Happy week three. Week two is done. Uh, the defending Grey Cup champions have handed out 10,000 replica rings, or as I saw so cleverly on Twitter, urinal cakes. <laughs> I did uh, I did see that on Twitter. That was a like a good, good little jab from, from one of the Ticats fans. I thought that was pretty funny. And then, you know, the Ticat, the Levi Mitchell continued to have a severe allergy to the end zone. Um, and an affinity for throwing the ball across his body weirdly into defenders. Uh, yeah, that was a weird game. It Chad was. Chad Kelly looked like Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark in the first half and then looked like Tony Stark during the third movie where he's like walking through the snow in his t-shirt, freezing to death in the second half. Yeah, I mean, the Swag Kelly era in Toronto is certainly going to be interesting. And I guess this is where we're going to... We're starting with Hamilton, guys, by the way. Start the podcast off. Um, but yeah, the, the Swag Kelly era for me in Toronto is is certainly going to be going to be interesting. Saw some rumblings online of Chad Kelly being a top three quarterback in the league. I'm not there yet. Pause. Yeah, I'm not. Trevor I'm Harris not on one leg just went out and threw 400 yards and three touchdowns. VA's undefeated. And oh, wait, do we have a two time MOP who threw for 300 last week? I think we do. Oh, right. I think we do. I, I think, I certainly think that, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to call a Swag Kelly a top three quarterback, but I, I certainly think that they, they're going to be a top three red zone offense. And I said this to you off air. I think the f- versatility from the pivot spot with Toronto, with Chad Kelly under center from 25 and in is is going to be insane. I think they're going to be a, a damn good red zone offense. He's got to be the short yardage quarterback, right? Like they tried to bring in uh, who was when, Stokes. Is that the other kid? Styles? Stokes? S? Starts with an S. I'm not sure. Did not work out as soon as they put Chad Kelly back in for the short yardage. It's something he did last year for them. It. It gives you so much more versatility. It's like when Nathan Rourke was running it last year for the Lions. You don't know what they're coming out in. If they bring out an extra offensive lineman, that could be a set that they ran. The Pycats ran it with Dayton Black early in the game before they started having offensive line issues. But if you bring out a sixth offensive lineman, your playbook's still wide open. You can still run everything you want, and the defense has to prepare for that. Whereas if you see for... Montreal, Caleb Evans is coming on the field, or Tommy Stevens for Calgary. You're like, you know what's happening. Yeah, guys, let's go get into our gorilla package. Let's go set up against the wedge and let's try to stop this yard yard carry. Uh, With Chad Kelly, it keeps modest. If you put Andrew Harris, AJ Olette, and a sixth offensive lineman on the field, are they running power option QB sneak wing T? What are they running? Exactly. I, I think with 12 under center in those short yardage situations, it, it makes it keeps the defenses honest. It keeps them guessing everything that you and said. I think like, that this right. was such a weak point for the Argos last year. And this year, it looks like one of their biggest assets when they get into short yardage or high red zone, low red zone. Well, and, and you made the Nathan Rourke point too. Like we saw it firsthand last year in Ottawa from 50 yards out, they're going short yardage. Nathan Rourke under center. And he goes for a 50-yard touchdown off off the, the weak side edge, strong side edge, whatever edge it was. But he goes for a 50-yard touchdown. Nobody can catch him. I, I think that Chad Kelly under center in Toronto gives you some of the same 
attributes. Obviously not to the effect of Nathan Rourke. I just mean in terms of being able to run the football like that from the quarterback position. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. He showed the athleticism on his first touchdown run, uh, obviously faking out the defender off the edge and then having to make an athletic leap over uh, the goal line. That was a hell of a jump cut. That was a hell of a jump cut. <laughs> I, I just want to slow our roll, I think, because we do this all the time in, in anything, but mainly in sports and especially in football, where we see something come out for one game and it is, holy F, this guy's amazing. But what do we always say, Connor? How many games? Three. The three-game rule. Three-game rule. Chad Kelly played one last year. Doesn't count. I'm not counting that one. You played against you played against like <clears throat> the P squad in the final game of the season. Then he played the last two minutes of the Grey Cup. Doesn't count. So last this is two game minutes. One. Of well, it was like twelve, right? Ten, twelve. I think he played like the last like quarter and a half. That's okay. Um, but no, I I would like to pause and do the three game rule with Chad Kelly. As fun as he seems, and I even texted our CFP group chat today and said he's Mazzoli. You're going to get all of the arm strength, all of the mobility, all of the inconsistencies. But man, is it going to be fun? Is it ever going to be electric? And with those two running backs. I think Matt Dunnigan said, like, imagine having a fresh, healthy scratch, almost Andrew Harris coming in in the fourth quarter as your relief running back. My God. They have an embarrassment of riches on that offense in terms of skill players. And for Chad Kelly, I think he even alluded to this at the half. Just let your guys make plays. Yeah. Moxie, Gittins, Dejan, Olette, Harris, Cam Phillips. Just get the ball in their hands. Let them be the weapons they are. Um, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. But let's slow our roll for now on the top three talk for Chad Kelly. I agree. I agree. The one thing that I'm not ready to slow my roll on yet, though, is the fact that Toronto does look like the defending Grey Cup champions. Toronto does look like a team. I know it's one game, but they do look like a team that is going to run the East again. Look at the defense, man. You, you okay, said there's so an embarrassment of riches on, pause on for offense. The, pause for this point. Think about this. Their defense, who are they taking off the field when Enoch Mwamba comes back? Which linebacker are they taking off the field? Is it Pickett or McManus? Neither. Because both of them are fantastic. It's neither to me. I think you use Mwamba as a package and a rotational guy at this point. And, and then, I'm sorry if people are going to get offended at that, but that's Pickett McManus in game one was a monstrous Pickett, duo. They probably take Pickett off the field, but I wouldn't. Would be, you though? Because he can cover. I think he's a better coverage linebacker than Mwamba. At this point in their careers, you could make the argument for it, but I think with Enoch being the reigning MOC, they're going to probably just slide him back in. You can't take Wynn McManus off the field. He's he's a monster. If he's healthy, no, you can't. Um, And then the other side of that coin, Connor, Jamal Peters didn't even play. And the 21 exclamation marks, box around it, highlight it, your old rookie corner, balled out yesterday. Stiggers. Yeah. He's phenomenal. And that, you have that Jamal dude. Peters coming back. Like, 
You have to get Stiggers into your lineup. You have to find a place for him when Jamal Peters is on the field. Because Peters and McFadden will be your corners. You have solid halves. You have Mechie at safety. But this Stiggers kid has to play. He has to be on the field. He's electric. I agree. I agree. If there's some way where you can, if there's, there's some way somehow where you can end up running three safeties, <laughs> let him go play center field, man. Just even put him as, as like a sub package. When they, when they yeah. rush three, put him on the field as an extra DB. Yeah. Let your Sam roam in the middle. Bring off a D lineman. Put one of your linebackers up on the edge for a speed package or bring in one of your plethora of defensive linemen. Let him play that Argos kind of dying are, spot. Yeah. They are a built up team. And the whole question going into this year was can Chad Kelly just do enough to maintain it? I think with, with this offense or with this. With the collection of talent in Toronto right now, I I think the the answer to that question is yeah. Chad Kelly's not gonna have to do too much to to operate a successful team. No, I I don't I don't think uh I think he, he'll do he'll do just fine, but I'm I would like to hold some pause just because I don't want to be the guy that after one game goes, Oh, he's better than Zach Kolaris. Oh my gosh. No, uh, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Nobody, I, nobody's saying that, but I, I just want to you know, pause the top have some, three. Top some for now. If, if if we're if we're sitting here talking about Chad Kelly statistically as a top three quarterback in like week seven, week eight, fine, he's earned it. But for now, because let's to be me, real, Nathan Rourke was throwing 400 yards, and we had people saying, "Oh, well, it's just the system. It's just the players." Where's the system and players when it comes to the Grey Cup? Champion Toronto Argonauts. Let's let's have the same pause and respect that this team's bleeping loaded. Yeah, right now Toronto wins the East for me. I know it's one game, but I golly, have to stick with my good. Ottawa pick. I have to stick with my Ottawa. You're pick. gonna rock with it still, still. Yes, because you have two bullet points for Calgary Ottawa. We're gonna jump all the way back to Thursday night. We're doing really Marshall's have, games. I really first. have That's one bullet first. point because you have the one score, bullet point is the score. <laughs> and the other one is they need Mazzoli. Connor, I started the Stampeders defense this week. They got, oh, wait, they credit them with an extra turnover. So six turnovers in the game. I, uh, no, sorry, sorry. Four turnovers and two sacks. Come on. Four. One of them was Tyree Adams coughing it up on short yardage. Yes. But for the Red Blocks, it is turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Same thing that killed the Ticats early on last year with Dane Evans. Yeah. And not all turnovers are created equal. But at some point, a lot of it's coming down to your quarterback and who's handling the rock and the decisions they're making. Eight is going to make a huge difference for the red and black. 100%. 100%. This was an 11-point game. It was a 26-15 win for Calgary, for those who didn't watch it. This was an 11-point game with an absolute dismal situation at the pivot spot for the Ottawa Red Blacks. They were in the game with two guys that really couldn't create much offense. I, like They both threw for over 100 yards, and neither threw a touchdown. They both had an interception. It's unfair this- for Tyree Adams to... Uh, like to judge him off this because he it was is coming in relief, but it is. Um, but but that, yeah, no, like you said, my point is though that 
when Mazzoli is back operating this offense, firing at the rate and the production that we have seen in the past, hopefully he comes back to that. But with Mazzoli under center for this Ottawa Red Blacks team, I think that makes or breaks the Red Blacks season. And so far, it's been breaking because Masoli's not under center. The difference with Ottawa's defense. Um, but when we look at we look at it, Dedrick Mills was a handful. I'm only going to kind of knock on one player for Ottawa, and that's Griffin. He missed about four or five tackles where it was like gap you versus Dedrick Mills, and Dedrick Mills beats you um, like a drum. He had 99 car- uh, yards on pretty much 20 carries. Um, but I I don't know. I, I felt like their defense was just kind of worn down by the end. But they gave up 8 points, 7 points, 7 points, 4 points. And one of those 7 was uh, the, the fumble return. Yeah, which to me in this one... Again, speaks volumes to the way Ottawa played this game. They were in the game for the entirety of the game. And again, they're missing two key two key contributors on the defensive side of the ball in Money Hunter and Javon Santos Knox, who haven't played the first two games. I don't know when Knox is coming back, but Money Hunter is going to be out for a little while. I think those are, again, like Masoli, when these two guys are back on your defense, they're difference makers. We saw what Knox did in Hamilton. We know what Money Hunter is as a defensive back. These guys are difference makers for the Red Blacks. So I think a healthy Red Blacks team has the capability, has the capacity to win games like these. But because they're down and out right now with with some of these key contributors, they're losing games 26-15 where they're in them, but they're gassed by the end or they've got inexperience in or whatever it may be. But I think when the veteranship, when the experience comes back, these are the types of games that we're going to see Ottawa hopefully come out on top in. I agree with that. And uh, my bet is still standing. Okay. I should, gonna, I should, I should, have, just, I should just double <laughs> down on it. It's probably even more now. Uh, okay. Great Cup champs? Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Argonauts? No, are we writing in Winnipeg again this year? Um, As the Great Cup champs? Potentially. Well, I mean... Potent- I, I think they're going to run it back. They're going to run it back and get to the Grey Cup. No question. I mean, three, Claire's two had weeks. like 300, well, pert near 300 yards passing, but added enough on the ground to break the three and then also added three touchdowns. Man, okay. Time out because I saw this tweet. This reminds me. I saw this tweet from Derek Taylor, which I thought was incredible. It was, um, oh, you're the Winnipeg. What is it with the CFL this week? Trevor Harris, Zach Claris, and now Bo Levi all have have all scrambled for first downs. What world am I living in? <laughs> yes. Okay. That was a tweet, which I thought was fantastic. But to circle back to Winnipeg on this one, when when things are going right, they are really going right. When you have Zach Claros breaking out for long first down runs and touchdown runs. And Dalton shown with the quietest 145 yards I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I watched the yeah. entire game. And afterwards, I was like, huh. Yeah, I, I checked the stats. Like, out how many here. yards he had? I checked my fantasy team and I'm like, 145? What? What? Where did those come from? No way. But, but it was just like Caleros picking them off, picking them 20, off, 30 picking them off. Every yeah. catch. <laughs> well, and that's a, like, we talked about this in week one in, in our fantasy picks with Sean. He's a guy that can go for two catches, 120 yards, or he can go for, what do you have, like 
10, 10 catches in this one for like 100, 140 eight, or whatever. Eight for like, 145 in a tub. Yeah. So that, that's just the type of dude that, that shown is. He's open and he's open long most of the time. Uh, sneaky, sneaky from the R spot. Okay. Let's flip not the coin so, though. Yeah. Not so sneaky, wanna, not so quiet. Do you want to do Emilis first? Because I want to do Trevor Harris. Well, if we're talking about receivers, I'm going to okay, okay, go Okay, go Emilis. Go Emilis. Go ahead. Yeah, n- not so sneaky, not so quiet. Samuel Emilis with a coming out party for the damn ages in Saskatchewan. I know they didn't win, but it was a personal win for Samuel Emilis. All of their touchdowns. And Emilis <laughs> has been a guy for, <laughs> yeah, which was ridiculous. Emelis has been a guy for a little bit now where we've kind of been waiting. We know what the potential could be, but it's like, okay, when are we going to see this breakout? When are we going to see this happen? When is he going to do it? Finally, he does it. And if this is the Samuel Emelis that you can get with Trevor Harris under center, my God, this dude could be a crazy good wide receiver. Who's who's coming off the field when uh, Kean is back? You're not taking Sean Bain off. He's your leading receiver. You're not taking, You're not taking Sam Emelis now. Tevin nope. Jones put up nine for 121 last week. You paid all the money for Jake Winicky. You paid some money for Juwan Breskison. There's your five. Who's coming off the field? Of the five. Like, touchdown Jake is not touchdown Jake. He hasn't scored a touchdown in a year and a half. Yeah, of the five for me, and I guess it depends on on how you're going to shift your roster around, but of the five for me, it's either Jake Winicky's coming off the field and he's going to be a rotational receiver, or Juwan Breskison's coming off the field and he's going to be a rotational receiver. Or do you take Tevin Jones off and say, this volume with KSB's talent? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Samuel Amos, this was... What we expected from him in the draft, this is the kind of player we knew he could be. And it's just kind of been this year-long wait to get to, okay, he has three touchdowns in the game and is now probably going to be one of their featured pieces this year. I hope that's the case. Again, Like we're, we're making a lot of bold statements off, off one game, but we know the talent's there. We know I guess that's that our overreaction can. Tuesday. There you go. It is. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel Ellis, but... Although um, my one from last week still kind of stands with Sean Bain. Yeah, it is. It's holding up right now. Um, no touchdowns. The, I just said yards. You did. You did. The the last thing I want to say about Samuel Emelis here, and, and this is more of like a hope than it is like a topic or a point or a talking point or whatever. Like I, I just really hope that this is the game for Samuel Emelis that propels him into that production, into that consistent into that consistency that we have seen in flashes. All right. Can I talk about Trevor Harris? Because this guy was a damn game-time decision. Well, he hey, came out. I freaking said he was going to be two after that dumbassery in week one. Almost <laughs> paid the price for it. And then he comes out and goes ballistic. 29 oh. of 41, 405, and three touchdowns. Tordal is a hell of a draw, wow. folks. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this game was a really good game until Winnipeg decided they were done hanging around. Yes, this was this was probably my favorite game of the week. Yeah, like, it, was it was tight for it was fun through and through. Two and, and it a was half tight quarters. until honestly tight into the fourth, third quarter, right? Like it wasn't that far off. Thirty-one to uh, 
24. Like they're only a score away. And then it just went, see ya. <laughs> yeah, Mike O'Shea kind of went, okay, all right, let's stop playing with our food here. Let's just get Wait, the win many, and go how home. Long, how long have we been playing around? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, guys, guys, let's let's just let's just close it out now. Please, thank you. See you later. Janary Grant. Are we talking about it? Yes. This guy's ridiculous. I don't know I, what so toxic I waste that. he fell into, what spider bit him or what, but this man has like superpowers. <laughs> superpowers. One, two, three, four. Um, no, I tweeted out, like, I want to see the GPS. And someone said, well, from one end of the field to the other end of the field is about 60 yards and the 90 up. No, no. I mean, from like the kick of the ball, because he was in the middle range to the hash, then danced a little bit and then cut all the way across and then went all the way up from there. And then someone else I'd seen this as well. Uh, Deontay Williams, the Saskatchewan DB. He was the first guy at the ball. Yeah. Janarian Grant made miss. And he hauled himself up off the ground to the opposite corner and was also the last player Janarian Grant made miss before scoring a touchdown. Yeah. That is wild. He had to run 60 yards downfield, 90 yards back the other way, and the 60 across the field. Wow. The official, the official return for Janarian Grant was like 92 yards. I bet you he ran about 180 on that return. I'm doing the math here. Uh, 8464 eight, plus 3600 equals. I'm going to see how far that run would have been from the corner. Square root. So 109 yards plus the 60 all the way down. So 170 yards probably in a full sprint. Superpowers. I'm talking for Deontay Williams. I'm not talking about... Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I guess the same kind of logic applies for... No, because he went actually all the way over and all the way up. (laughs) But yeah, 120 yards probably. It was... Crazy. I mean, by both parties, it was a ridiculous effort. Uh, Unfortunately for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, it just fell in favor of Janarian Grant. Man, this is just so impressive. We're so lucky to have the CFL football back all the time. Oh my God, are we ever? All right. No, who's not so lucky? The Edmonton Elks? I was going to say Geno Lewis. Geno Lewis and the Edmonton Elks? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking five receptions for Stephen Dunbar. Okay. No, five receptions. Kyron Moore, one catch. Eugene Lewis, one catch. Kevin Brown, two catches. Dylan Mitchell, two catches. Connor, how much money are they paying for Eugene Lewis, Kyron Moore, and Stephen Dunbar? A whole lot. A whole lot. A whole lot for seven catches and 66 yards. Yeah. I, like, this kind of rolls into my point of the week for this game. I tweeted out earlier today. I know everybody's quick to to jump on Taylor Cornelius, and I, I get it. 98 yards, 
that's not a good performance. You were under under 60% completion rate, 98 yards. That that's terrible. As a fan, you go you go stat surfing or you're watching a game and you see that. And I think you have every right to be pissed off, to be upset, to see that and and feel sick about looking at that stat line. And and that's totally fine. I, I'm with you. But to me, the blame cannot fall entirely on Taylor Cornelius. And I, I think too often in in I think too often in, in football, people are quick to point the finger at the quarterback because that's the easy scapegoat. That's the easy target. He's the guy with the ball every single play. But it's not entirely Cornelius's fault. When you have the weapons that we just listed out, when you have a Kyron Moore, when you have a Geno Lewis, when you have a Dylan Mitchell, and Dylan Mitchell, Geno Lewis, and Kyron Moore are only accounting for eight targets in the entire game, four receptions, that's not a Taylor Cornelius issue. That's a scheming issue. That's an offensive coordinator issue. You're telling me you have Geno Lewis and you're only going to target him three times in the game? Wait, wait. No. I, got, I got one more for you. You're telling me you're only rushing Kevin Brown seven times in a game? This is seven. This is an entire offensive issue. This is not a Taylor Cornelius issue. Granted, he didn't look good. But I, I, we need to pump the brakes on Edmonton's woes being entirely Taylor Cornelius's fault because it's not all his fault. It is an offensive no, issue. And you could say like, oh, well, they had the, the pick on the first play of the game called back. and You can make different, different hymns and haws about Taylor Cornelius, but what are your other answers? We saw Kyle Loxley last year at quarterback. Wasn't good. We saw Trey Ford the first couple weeks of the season. If he was that good, they wouldn't have re-signed Taylor Cornelius. They wouldn't have started Taylor Cornelius. Chris Jones doesn't care how much you get paid. He's going to play the best players. He's going to trade the ones that he doesn't like. Clearly, if Trey Ford was the guy, they he would have made him enough the guy. to see it last year. Yeah. But let's be quite honest with ourselves. He was below average. Yeah. That's, that's, we again, think like, back all the way to last year. I don't think, he, go. I don't think he broke 200 in either of his two starts. One, he got hurt. So I don't think he even broke 100 in that game. But I think, in a, I think in the win against, Hamilton, I don't think he broke 100 and 175 yards in that game. Yeah, I, I just pulled up the stats for Trey Ford in that candidate game. Granted, it was a win from him, but he went 15 for 26, 159 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. Pretty good day with his legs, too. Six carries, 61 yards. But passing as a passer, as a quarterback, 159 yards, 57% completion. So are we really hemming and hawing over like 60 yards here? Taylor Cornelius can run too. He is not slow by any stretch. He showed that last year. He's got speed to burn. And I'm not like, I don't think either of us are. Like, we're not trying to be <clears throat> Trey Ford haters. We both love the OUA. We loved watching him be the quarterback select Hell, on let's draft be, night. Let's be like, frank here, Connor. We are paid by the OUA to promote their football programs. I would Trey Ford is a damn big part of that. I would love to see Trey Ford become the face of a franchise. In the CFL, I think that would be do wondrous things for the game. But I'm also trying to be realistic right now about the quarterback situation in Edmonton. We need to pump the brakes a little bit on the Cornelius hate 
and on the outcry for Trey Ford because is Trey Ford going to come into this situation and save your offense if the offense can't figure their shit out? I don't think so. Now, my next question for Overreaction Tuesday. Do the Hamilton Tiger Cats need to trade for Trey Ford if he's not going to be used by Edmonton and Bo is on the shelf for a long time? Connor, give us a call at 1-800-I-don't-know-the-number and we'll take your answers. Purely, 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 purely (laughs) for the Waterloo Trey Ford Tyler T connection. Oh my God. I'd love to see it happen (laughs) because that, that, that no, I take it back. I take it back. Disgusting. I but I think Matthew Shows, they're confident in Matthew Shows. That would be too traumatizing for a number of OUA DBs uh, <laughs> to see Trey Ford throwing to Tyler Tonowski in black and gold again. I just I just think that, that would be too unfair. <laughs> they scored in a lot of touchdowns together. It would be really cool to see, but um, no, Edmonton's not going to move either of these guys. Unless something falls through the base of the earth. Like, Taylor Cornelius would have to crater, throw like 40%, three, three interceptions, maybe get a strip sack in there. It would have to crater for them to get moved. Either of them. Taylor Cornelius would have to actively be betting on his team to lose and throwing those games for him to get Pete moved. Pete Rose, baby. <laughs> Honestly. No, I, no. I think Edmonton right now, you know what you have in, in all three of your quarterbacks as athletes. I mean, Kyle Oxley is an incredible athlete. Trey Ford is a guy that you can develop. I think there's there's a future in the CFL with Trey Ford. Taylor Cornelius is your right now. And again, I keep hammering on this, but it's up to Edmonton's offense as a unit to figure it out, not just Cornelius. All right. We have one team left to talk about. We kind of skipped over Calgary, but it's 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 pretty obvious. Um, B, freaking C. First of all, let's start with the lead up to the game, Connor. Amar Dolman, two free concerts, a fan fest leading up to the game all week, and then having Vernon Adams. You know what? Yeah, sure. The offense stalled out. They didn't score a whole lot of touchdowns. It wasn't flashy. VA put up 300 yards. Taekwon Mizell ran for 93, so they had 100 yards rushing, over 100 yards rushing if you count the other two quarterbacks carrying the rock. All the receivers got involved, four catches, four catches, five, five, three, four for Taekwon Mizell. Your defense, goddamn that boundary side is disgusting. BC is uh, the best DBs, the best DB core in the league. That's the best secondary in the CFL right now. No question. None. Yes. None. <laughs> None. Um, Peterson Lee, though, that's... Oh, yeah, the boundary side is just shut down. Absolutely shut down. And then you have Rugamba, Mogger, Sales, like, Ola Combo at Sam. Ben Hladik is playing lights out, too. Oh, man, I'm so happy. <laughs> So happy you brought that up. Ben Hladik has been a fan favorite of ours for three years now, four years now. To see hey, him take see- over, come in and take over the Jordan Williams spot. Love it. Did you see one of the twins had a fumble recovery? Yeah, and it was Pickett, right? No, Cherry. Was Cherry. It Cherry? <laughs> see? You ah, even got the mix. They looked the damn same. 
Um, but no, Connor, this team is through and through putting together what, like, I'm pretty sure this week we get uh, Winnipeg, BC, do we not? Yeah, we do on Thursday night. This to is start good. the week off. We get an absolute heater. All eyes are going to be on this game for the week. Absolutely. And BC is setting themselves up to be the contender against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the West. This is going to be a light show come Thursday night. I know it's it's a long damn season, but I think this is a week three real, real early look at the the West final this year. Oh, you're going there. Absolutely, I'm going there. Who's going to contend right now? Maybe Calgary? Maybe Saskatchewan? I think Saskatchewan over Calgary this year. Um, hey, we get that this week as well. We do. We get Harris and Mary teeing it up. But yeah, yeah. No, I, I think West final is going to be BC Winnipeg again this year. I think Saskatchewan might contend, but I, I don't see either Saskatchewan or Calgary uh, beating out BC right now anyways. Overreaction <laughs> Tuesday. Here we are. Overreaction Tuesday would be Trey Ford should start this week. Um, yeah. Overreaction Tuesday, Trey Ford starts this week. Yes. I I'll, make one, I'll make one graphic, okay? That's what <laughs> I'll do. I'll make one graphic. One graphic. I will say while we're on the topic of the BC Lions, my guy Vernon Adams Jr. still on pace to go for 4K. Oh. 310 <laughs> yards this week. <laughs> I on forgot you were the on pace guy. Back this week. Hey, and, uh, and I will say, like, another overreaction, but not an overreaction, not an overreaction Tuesday. Taekwon Mizell, I said it last oh, week, he's, say it again this week. Rookie he's got of the year. Gear. Rookie he's got of another year. gear. This is, he's. Shout out to BC, man. They lost Peter Godbert and Joel Figueroa last year, and their O line looks like it has stepped it up a notch in terms of their running game. He averaged 5.2 yards a carry. Yeah. Insane. BC's O-line is clicking despite losing two starters. Not many other teams you can say that for. But say la vie, say la week two, on to the real showcase, Thursday night, BC Winnipeg. Hey, we don't have men's league this week. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll be back on Thursday. Uh, Doing gambling stuff, teeing up the week to come, fantasy stuff as well. Shout out Dalton Schoen. <laughs> Shout out Dalton Schoen. And on the topic, quickly, quickly, on the topic of fantasy football this week, I had a bad week. Wade had a phenomenal week. But, but, uh, and forgive me, getting our mentions if I, if I mess this up, but B. Quino took over the number one spot this week. In the CFP fantasy standings for the week, 149 points for week two. So, B. Quino is our week two winner, currently claiming the top spot in the league, though, right now is our very own Wade Zanketa with 234.1 fantasy points. I made a statistical error and made Taekwon Mizell my captain. Otherwise, that, that would be a larger number. That's not. That's still like a thirty. He got fifteen points. That's still a thirty-point week for you, though. Yeah, but I would have captain Dalton Schoen or Chad Kelly. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that would have been sixty points. <laughs> you still can, by the way, for everybody listening, you still can join the CFP Fantasy League. Please do so if you are a CFL fantasy advocate. 
CF Perspective Fantasy 2023 is the league. You can still join. We encourage you to join. We'd love you to join. We beg you to join just so somebody can knock Wade off the top spot. Oh, I'm going to knock myself off probably in a week or two. Let's be I think I'm just going to keep knocking myself down to the bottom of the standings because I didn't even break 100 this week. <laughs> it was a bad week. It was a bad week, folks. Oh, all right. I think that's it, though, for tonight. Simple recap. A couple of reactions. I went on a rant that's about it. Cornelius. The corn man. Oh, God. All right. Foxfreeshop.com, CFP15 for 15% off your orders. Uh, coaching boards, merchandise, whistles, boat safety. Come on. It's a summer. CFP15, 15% off your order. Also, Noodle brand, the new custom fitting snapbacks. Head over to noodle.shop to check out all of their amazing products. Uh, for us at Wade Zank, at Connor R. O'Neill, at CF Perspective. We'll see you later this week. And as we do go, don't forget to check out all of the other fantastic shows on the CFP Podcast Network. Marsh is kicking it every week, every day of the week. Mini Pods, A Block, Breakdown with DT. A lot of good stuff going on. It's a great time to be a Canadian football fan. See you guys on Thursday. <laughs>